tonight, for some of us, uh, we get to start something brand new. Uh, we may be waiting till the, the double digits and the, the wee hours of the dark when the, the small hand and the large hand come together at the 12. Uh, we're watching uh, the ball drop in New York, or if you happen to find your way down in Tallapoosa, I think they drop a possum. Um, you're, you have the confetti poppers, you, you kiss your loved ones, you open the doors and the windows to let the, the old year out and the new year come in. You're getting so excited as you yell out, Happy New Year, so Ryan Seacrest can hear you at Times Squares. But the one thing that I think about is traditions that people do. So I thought I could come in here and talk about how you should eat your, your black-eyed peas, your collard greens, maybe have your cabbage. Um, I saw somewhere that if you eat noodles and like don't break it, you'll have longevity through the year. Uh, one thing I saw was eat round things like a donut for like good luck. Um, I'm out for that. I will have as much luck as possible. <clears throat> but uh, spending time on social media, looking at Facebook and where every, uh, every year this trend happens. And it's, I'm going to make a, a New Year's resolution. Uh, maybe it's, I'm going to eat healthier. So that donut right there, sorry, I'm going to have already failed my, that resolution. Uh, maybe it's, I'm not going to let the laundry sit in the basket when it comes out of the dryer. Like, I'm going to fold it immediately, all right? My laundry basket's not my dresser. Uh, or don't go to bed without putting all the dishes out of the sink. Um, it could be something as easy as to stop gossiping. Maybe it's give a compliment a day. Uh, start a membership and actually use it. Don't just pay for the, the little key tag. Um, one that I, I really love is uh, read your Bible in an entire year. There, there's plans, there's, there's outlines. It's like, hey, you're going to start in Genesis 1, but also we're going to throw a psalm at you each day, and then we're going to tag that, that Genesis with the John, and then you know, we'll, we'll kick you over there into like James and First Peter, just so you can get a variety. And hopefully about after 365 days, which this year, guys, guess what? You get an extra day, so there's some grace in there. So with all of that, I, I applaud you when you do that. Now, I, I also know that... You're going to get to about February 1st, and you'll hit Leviticus, and it's going to be really hard for you to keep going. I hope by July you hit Malachi, because if not, you are going to be doing a lot of reading in December next year, and, and, and that right there is, is not good for your New Year's resolution. Um, Merriam-Webster has a couple different definitions for a resolution. The first one that he has is a firm decision to do or not to do something. It's pretty simple. Making a decision to not eat junk food. I'm making a decision to not gossip. I'm making a decision to read my, my Bible more. I'm making a decision to actually follow through with my chores. But the other definition he puts in there is the action of solving a problem. So, I'm no Merriam-Webster. However, I would like to think that if, if he could hire me for a day, we're going to put these definitions together. And so uh, our new 2024 definition for resolution would be a firm decision made to solve a problem of something we are doing or not doing. So as it being firm, it means that we're, we're kind of putting our foot down. 
There's no halfway saying that this resolution is going to happen. But it also means that we've identified our problem and it's going to solve something that we are doing or not doing. I'm going to ask for some, some church family participation here. By show of hands, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? By show of hands, and I'm not here to step on your toes, how many of you have failed a New Year's resolution? It's easy. We find ourselves saying these words, and we don't put the heart behind it or the effort behind it. About 98% of our New Year's resolutions we make are all focused toward a self-improvement, and it's something that we do on our own. Um, you'll get the folks that'll go to the gym and like day one, day two, like you find a gym buddy and you're working out and you've got that accountability. Maybe you're doing your Bible reading with someone else, but you know, March comes along and someone blows out their knee and they're not weightlifting with you anymore. May comes through and you're really busy at work and you've missed two weeks of your Bible reading. And so because they stopped, you also stop. January 1st rolls around and there's a dozen of Dunkin' Donuts finest sitting right there and that eat healthier is already gone. We as people have a problem and we break our resolutions. But by definition, it was supposed to be a firm decision. And we're doing it to try and solve a problem. We get so wrapped up in the world we get under-focused on what our goal is. That self-improvement that we're striving for, that we're seeking, we're doing it exactly in that sense, that it's self. We, we lack the ability to call for accountability. We lack the ability to, to really focus in on what is there. But today, I want us to look at a New Year's resolution of truly knowing who Christ is. And we don't have to wait until January 1st to start our, our, our reading for that. We don't have to have someone be able to come in and give us an outline later. Because through this entire scripture, from the Old Testament to the New, from the things that were prophesied to the things that were fulfilled, God tells us exactly what Christ did as a resolution for us and our sin problem. Jesus is that firm decision sent from God to solve our problem of sin. It's not a self-improvement that we can do to rescue, our, rescue from sin, but it's something that we can find in Christ. So this morning, church, if you've got your Bible, uh, I want you to open up. We're going we're to hit about four different scriptures, but we're going to start in the book of Psalm. Uh, look at something that David has written in uh, verse 23. This is one that you've heard quite a lot, but we're going to look at verse 23, or chapter 23, verse 3. This right here coming from the, 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 the message of the Good Shepherd, our students that are on the trip, they, they got to hear this and it was broken down for them on Friday night. Uh, we, we've spoken on it, but I want us to look at the just this one verse right here, verse, chapter 23, verse 3, it says, He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Now, we make New Year's resolutions to fix a problem. Maybe it's to change a habit, something that's broken, to renew. You can't renew a library book if it's not past due. You can't renew a piece of furniture unless it is, it's broken or it's expired. You can't renew the gallon of milk until it's spoiled or until it's empty. God is looking at us and he's saying, he renews my life. David is telling us right here, he's renewing. So come next year, come 2024, when you get to take the, 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 the dusty old dog calendar down and put your brand new shiny one up, this is that moment right here that when God is telling us through David's song, he is renewing our life. But it isn't just a changing of the calendar. He then proceeds to lead us along the right path. He's putting us a path for his name's sake. It's not just a renewal for ourselves. It's not a renewal for Ashton. It's not a renewal for each and every one of you as an individual that you are doing. But God is saying, I am renewing you and I'm doing so in my name. I want you to flip to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9. I'm going to read a little bit before that right here in verse 8 because we just saw in Psalm that it says that, that we are being renewed in his name. And right here we're reading in Isaiah, it says, I am the Lord. That is the name in which that we are being renewed through, being renewed by. That is my name and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events I announce them to you before they occur. Now, church, we see what David has written in Psalm. We see that we have this renewing. We have it through his name. That name is the Lord. And we're coming here to what Isaiah has written out. And it says, I am the Lord. That is my name. And I will not give glory to another or praises to idols. It is so easy for us to put ourselves first to put our, our goal, our, our New Year's resolution of self-improvement over our relationship with Christ. And we see here that the past events have indeed happened. Those other previous years in our lives with our resolutions that we have made, that we have we've failed, those have happened. But this is a renewal. This is a new day. It's a new time. It's an opportunity that the Lord has blessed for us. And then it says right here, now I declare new events, and I announce them to you before they occur. This is the portion of the, the Old Testament that God is telling us what this promise is going to be. He's setting it down. He's, putting, he's making that firm statement that we would want to have in a New Year's resolution. He's giving it to us through his word right here before his son is ever even born. He's saying, I declare these new events. I announce them to you before they occur. So now when we're looking at this and we, we're reading the scripture, there's some hope. We're going to turn the page again, and I want you this time, we're going to head over to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. 
we just saw the, the word I declare in the, the book of Isaiah. And then we continue in to Jeremiah. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Verse 32, it says this, this one will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant and they broke, that they broke even though I am their master. The Lord's declaration. Verse 33, instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. This is now the third time that we have seen this. I will put my teaching within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 34, no longer will one teach his neighbors or his brothers saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. For the least to the greatest of them, this is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. From the beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, our students had the opportunity, they heard, they heard a message that, we're the only ones that God breathed life into. We are made in his image, that we are, we are his perfect creation that's here, and we're, our purpose is sent here to glorify God. So we as man are here, and God has continued to give us time and time again. He helped those leave Egypt, and even though he is guiding them, he is resolving the problem that they had, which is what they were trapped in, the slavery that was there. They said, thanks, God, we appreciate it. Now we're going to go off on our own. And they broke that resolution. They tried to take it on their own, and they separated themselves from God. And he still loved them. So he comes to us and he says, I'm starting a new covenant for you. This is the Lord's declaration. He doesn't say it just once. doesn't stop it twice. He continues. He proceeds. We get it four times through these four verses. As continuing in the rest of, of Isaiah 31, that it says it about four or five more times before he's even done. Obviously, what we're reading here, what we are seeing in Jeremiah is that the Lord is declaring something. What we saw back in Isaiah, he says, I declare. Going back to our friend Merriam-Webster, the word declaration that we, keeps coming up means a formal announcement of the beginning of a state or a condition. We, we looked and we, we, we saw what the definition of a resolution was, and we're looking now at a definition of a declaration. When God created us, gave us a purpose to glorify his name, to praise his name, to worship him, and we said, it's okay, we got it on our own. We failed the resolution. We created bigger and bigger problems for ourselves. God continued to step in, and he kept, he kept being that person to try and help us, to hold us accountable so that we no longer continue to break those resolutions. 
But then we get into the scripture and God is saying, hey, I'm not just gonna like tell you anymore. I'm going to declare. I'm going to make a statement that is going to hold true, that's going to have meaning behind it. And that statement was sent to us as a baby. Left us on a cross to a tomb that was then empty to show that he truly is who he is. That is a declaration that's a statement that, I, that there has not been anything louder or more powerful to ever happen. That new covenant that was created. So looking at our resolutions, looking at our declarations, I want you to know this. Christ is a firm decision that the Lord made to rescue us from sin. Something we can't do on our own solving the problem of death and bringing us into life. God claimed us through his formal announcement, marking the beginning of something new, and that is new life in him. Your New Year's resolution, knowing the Lord, God has already rescued you that we saw at the end of Jeremiah in 30, chapter 31, verse 34, he says that no longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. I want you to turn to 2 Peter, chapter three, starting in verse eight. We're gonna read eight, nine, and then skip down a couple verses. We've seen all the things that, that God has, has prophesied that has led up to the coming of Christ. We see in Psalm what David has written. We saw what Isaiah had. We've read in Jeremiah. But then we get the time here, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise. As some understand delay, but is patient with you, and not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. We're going into a new year. It's going to be easy for us to become frustrated. It's going to be easy for us to even get mad at ourselves, get mad at our families. It's going to be easy for us to get mad at coworkers, parents. You might be upset with your children. Kids, students, you might be upset with your parents. But here's the thing. The Lord has made us a promise. His promise is not a delay. And then he is patient with us because he does not want us to perish. He wants us all to come to repentance. Jump down to verse 13. It says, but based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. To dwell means to live with. As we are waiting for this opportunity, as we know that this time here on earth is a temporary, we're, we're waiting for our permanent home in heaven with God. That is where righteousness, we are closest with him, where we are singing his praise. 
it ends. In 2 Peter, in 14 and 15, it says, Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. We're counting down the time tonight for a happy new year. Taking a year that has been busy, that has been jam-packed, bringing that chapter to a close and opening up 2024. But God closed that chapter on sin for us thousands of years ago, and that chapter isn't going to close. It's only going to grow, and it's going to grow through you. It's going to grow through you knowing and wanting to get closer to him. And so he is challenging us. As we see here in Second Peter, he's saying, hey, as we're waiting for those new things, as we're waiting for that moment of righteousness, as we're waiting to, to be able to live with him and dwell with him in, in, our, in our time in heaven, he's saying, do every effort you can to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. It doesn't mean break all the rules now because it's going to be fixed later. It means get closer to him. Come to know him. Find that repentance now because we have to take the Lord's patience as our salvation. You can break that gym resolution. You can break that laundry resolution. But the death on the cross, the resurrection from the grave, was the Lord revealing to all. He is who he is. So that we can know that the resolution of sin, the problem, the firm decision that we made to turn away from God had a complete and total problem-solving moment where we can grow closer to him. This year, before you focus on on eating any of the greens, looking at the black-eyed peas on your plate, going and doing this, forgetting to not do your laundry or take out trash. Before all of that happens, your New Year's resolution is for you to know the Lord. Because you can't have a New Year's resolution without first having a new life declaration. And God has laid this out for us here in Scripture. Don't get so caught up in focus on our self-improvement because we are nothing on ourselves if we don't know the Lord. And the beauty of this is you don't have to wait until tomorrow to start. This new life declaration has already been given to us. We don't have to wait until tomorrow morning for the clock to roll over to say, hey, it's time for me to start getting right with the Lord. (laughs) 